two uh, in this series on the end times. And last this past week, uh, Pastor Cindy started us off with a with a message uh, about signs and events that would that would lead and, and guide us into the end times. And you know, while I think that most of us believe that we're living in the end times, is that fair? I mean, would most of us agree we think we're living in the end times? You know, it's kind of interesting to me that when you read history and you read about it, basically every generation since Jesus was on earth thought they were living in the end times. Okay? And, and of course, probably, you know, one of the greatest mistakes that have been made along that way, of course, a lot of people have set dates, right? You know, they've said, on this date, this time, and the only thing that all those people have in common is that they were wrong, right? They were just absolutely wrong. But, but you know, it's also, it, there's kind of an important bit to that because if you really did, you know, if, if somebody published a book today, right, and they said, you know, on this date, you know, you know, 18 months from now, you know, on this date, for sure, you know, Jesus is coming back. Well, you know, there kind of gets to be this attitude that can develop in any of us about, well, then, like, why worry, you know, why work, why Right, you know what I mean? Kind of why keep doing what I'm called to do? Because, hey, you know, it's all, you know, okay. I mean, look, that's never why we were put here, right? We were put here to share our faith. We were put here to live rich, full lives, serving God. And so, you know, I think one of the reasons he doesn't want us knowing the time and the place is because he doesn't want us kind of like packing up and going and sitting on the hillside just waiting for him to come while nobody else hears about Jesus, right? And so, you know... It's, it's this thing where, I guess from last week, probably the number one takeaway from Pastor Cindy's message on, on the signs and events was, since we don't know, we just need to be ready. Right? We just need to be ready. Because as long as we're ready, then it won't really matter on, on the day. You know, it doesn't matter whether you got the date right or you figure it out or, or you're just as surprised as the next guy. Because you're ready. Well, no, I mean, that's really a big deal, okay? Because, you know, Jesus... The Word of God says nobody knows. It says not even Jesus knows. It says Father knows. Well, you know what? If even Jesus doesn't know, then I can assure you one thing. None of us know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, you know, smart as any of us are, I can just tell you, none of us know. If Jesus doesn't know it, you and I don't know it. Okay? And anybody that tells you you do know it or you can know it just tells you how much they haven't read the Word of God. Okay? So... So we just need to be ready, okay? So now, as we continue on in this series on end times, uh, we're going to take a look kind of at another facet of this, and today we're going to look at heaven and hell. And we're going we're to see what Scripture says about it. We're going to talk about what it is, how you get there, how you don't go there, and what role do heaven and hell have in kind of this unfolding of the end of the age. So i got a question for you guys uh, to chat about for a second, okay? Uh, so... Here's the question. Why are heaven and hell such difficult, controversial topics for people to talk about? Why do they spark difficult discussions whenever they get brought up? Okay, so just turn to a few people around you. Talk amongst yourself for a second on why are heaven and hell such difficult, controversial topics to discuss? Okay, what are some of the thoughts you've got? Like, what, what do you guys, what, why, why do you think it's controversial or Okay, all right, that can be it, yeah, anybody else? Yeah. We all have different beliefs as to what they look like, and then there's a confusion. Okay, okay, yeah, so that can certainly spark interesting conversations, right? I think that's what I believe, of course, there's the one person who 
Okay. Yeah, so the different beliefs on, on how bad hell might really be, right? Or how good heaven might really be. Well, no, I mean, but that is kind of, you know, right? Is that, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, please. Okay, hard to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems kind of like this distant sort of issue when you're really just trying to figure out how do I get to Cub today and get some groceries and pay for them. And, right? I mean, you know, there's some really basic things in life that can cause us to sort of say, if I'm not dealing with it right now, I don't, I don't need to think about it. Okay, so... You know, obviously, a lot of different ideas come up here and a lot of different issues that can cause us to, to have differing uh, viewpoints, approaches, beliefs. And it's, if you kind of think about our world today, uh, would it be fair to say that our world has become increasingly specialized and fragmented as, as time goes on? Okay, I mean, I mean, down to some pretty silly things, right? If you want to join a special interest group, that's concerned about the habitat of the giant Chinese salamander or the ivory-billed woodpecker, you can, okay? Uh, if you want to join a car club for car enthusiasts that only really care about 1963 Dodge Darts, you can find that club and you can join it, okay? Uh, or like you could go in school, you could uh, go into a specialized area of study or research like for one organ of the body, and spend your entire life just becoming very specialized on this one organ and researching uh, cures and diseases for this one organ. Uh, and then, you know, you can add topics, I mean, to our world, right? Because each one of these things cause people to drill down into this one area and, and become, you know, kind of different and separate from other people. And then you add topics like religion. Boy, that can fragment people pretty quick, can't it, you know? Uh, you add topics like politics, fragments people even further. No, you know, I mean, you, you start to think about all these topics and things and specializations, and what they kind of get down to is that people become very fragmented and separated and in little pockets and different, and they say, well, I'm not like you, you know? We don't have much in common, okay? And that can c cause us uh, to, to feel more and more that way, but... Uh, what this whole day is about in this morning is I want to tell you that no matter how fragmented, how segmented, how specialized or even divided our country, our culture, or for that matter, our world become, a day will come, a day will come when in fact there will only be two groups of people, two kinds of people in the world that will matter. And it won't be male or female. It won't be black or white. It won't be Jew or Gentile. The only thing, the only two groups that will remain, the only two classifications that are going to matter are who's saved and who's lost. That's all that will matter. Now, today, there's some of us that have been following Jesus for a while. And would it be fair to say that on some days it looks like the bad guys are winning? I mean, let's be honest, all right? 
would, would it be fair to say that there's some days when it looks like, like all the good jobs are going to the jerks? Or that, you know what I mean? Or that, or that the blessings are, you know, all the money's over here. Or all the, there are times in our lives when it can look like, if we're not careful, that this deal's not working. If we're comparing ourselves to the world system. Right? Interestingly enough, Malachi 3.18 addresses that very thing. Malachi 3.18 says, and it assures us, that says a day will come, and it says, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. A day is going to come, when, which some days we don't see right now. Some days we don't feel it. Some days, again, it looks like it's, it's backwards. Okay, it, lo- it looks like it, it's not working out right, but it promises us that a day is coming when that distinction will once again become very, very clear. Okay, so let's talk about these two classifications of people. Let's talk about the saved, and let's talk about the lost. And, and I realize that for some of us who, who would say, I've been in church all my life. I mean, come on now. Let's get onto something, you know, a little more meaty here, a little deeper, right? I mean, I've been hearing about this all my life. Let's just slow down for a second, and let's revisit it. And let's just, let's just re, kind of recenter ourselves not on opinions or feelings, but on what Scripture says, okay? And make sure that we not only believe it, but we believe it for all the right reasons. So, you know, basic question, right? Who are the saved? Who are the saved, and how did they, how did they get saved? Well, fortunately for us, this is an area that Scripture is really clear on, isn't it? It says it real crystal clear. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, lay it out pretty clearly. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. doesn't say you might be. doesn't say only if you also, uh, you know, go, go and join a church, you know, this certain kind of church. It, 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 there, it, it doesn't add any more stuff to it. Okay? It says that if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. By the way, that means, that means it doesn't matter if you're Assembly of God or, or Baptist or Presbyterian. Do you see what I mean? We like to, call, we like to segment. So talking about, we like to segment. We like to think, well, this, this kind of denomination or this church or this group of people or the people that live over in this neighborhood or this kind of job, they, oh, that's better. No, it, it, it comes down to two kind of people, the lost and the saved. And it says you're saved if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So the saved are people who have confessed and repented of their sins, accepted Jesus as their personal saviors, and are now followers of Jesus. Pretty straightforward, but it's very important to have that straight. It's, it's nothing less, nor is it anything more. Anything more is added by man. Anything less is not being saved. It's not being a follower of Jesus. So then who are the lost? Well, the lost, and, and that's kind of like, you know, sometimes we use churchy talk, okay, you know, kind of church language. Well, the lost sort of falls into that. I don't know uh, if you've ever, you know, been in this kind of situation, but I remember years ago I was new, working, and I was at, in, in an office I worked in down in Dallas. And I came in one Monday morning, and 
Apparently, one of the young ladies in our office had uh, had been to a revival, had been to a revival meeting over the weekend, and she had become a follower of Jesus. And she was quite excited and exuberant about this change in her life, which is, praise God, I mean, that's cool, right? You know, she was excited. But, but in her exuberance, I remember there was this other guy that sat kind of a couple of, just a little bit behind me, who was... Uh, Everything about his life that you could see would tell you that he was not a follower of Jesus. Well, let's just put it that way, okay? I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, this, the, what the, the visible signs of it on Monday morning and most of the time would, would lead one to believe he was not a follower of Jesus, okay? And so this young lady who had, who had had this conversion experience over the weekend and came back, I mean, and this is exciting, but she was, she was full of excitement because she had found something in her life that she wanted and needed, and this had really obviously made it a, a big impact on her. But I'll never forget, she walked up to this guy, Mark, and she said, Mark, are you, sa- are you saved? You know, and, and, and he goes, saved from what? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, and, you know, and she goes, well, you know, are you lost? And she goes, lost from what? I mean, you know, it was like it, it completely, you know, he, his head wasn't there, you know. And, and so it was just this, I guess I thought it was a funny thing then. I mean, now, you, you know, but it, it's one of those moments that you feel it's a little awkward. But, but I always remembered it because it was this issue of we can talk about things, um, but without the right context. I mean, we can catch people so off guard, they, they, they don't know how to even respond, right? Okay, uh, but, you know, a better word could almost be condemned. And I think we use the word lost because condemned actually sounds so much more harsh. Lost sounds like I could be found. You know what I mean? Like, like it's still an open possibility. Condemned sounds like I've already been sentenced. You, you know what I mean? But, but let's, again, let's not have opinions. Let's look at the word of God. Okay, let's look at the word of God. John 3, and we all know John 3, 16. That gets held up at the football games and everywhere else, right? But we need to read a few more verses, okay? We need to read 16 to 18, okay? So John 3, 16 to 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Got it, okay? For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, here's the important verse for this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Condemned. Doesn't even say saved, right? It says he is not condemned. It says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So the lost are people who have rejected God's Son as their Lord and Savior, and they are not living as followers of Jesus. Now, that's an important, clear distinction to make because right now, it's possible. While we're alive, you can choose. You have the option to be a follower of Jesus to not be a follower of Jesus. You have an option to fall into which cat to decide which of those two categories you want to be a part of. Do you want to be the saved or the lost or the condemned? 
A day will come when you no longer have that option. Wherever you stand at that moment, it will be fixed for eternity. And that moment either comes at death or it comes at the return of Jesus. Once one of those two things happens, there, there's no more, there's no going, oh, wait a minute, I meant, to, I meant to deal with that. It's done. And why that becomes important relative to end times is depending on which of those two categories you fall into, then the next thing that happens is that those two categories end up di- directing you to one of two judgments. There are two judgments. One of the judgments is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the judgment for the saved. And 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10 says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things he's done while in the body, whether good or bad. Listen, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. It's for the saved. This is where the saved, it's not, this is not where the lost go. This is the, the judgment of the saved. But here's what's cool. Its purpose is not to judge sin. Why? Because our sin has already been forgiven. It's been washed away. It's under the blood of Jesus. Are you sure, are you sure about that? Yes, I am. Let's read Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12. It says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When we become a follower of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. So we do not appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged. We appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, think, I want you to think about this. Let's just be real honest for a minute, okay? If, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus, okay, and you would say, if Jesus came right now, I know, I know which camp I fall in. Okay? I mean, if you'd say that, I know. At the same time, how many of you would say, yeah, I know I'm saved. I know I'm under the blood of Jesus, but man, I've still made some mistakes. I've said some dumb stuff. I've made some really bad decisions. Would most of us agree with that? I mean, since I, was, since I got saved, since I got baptized, since I said I'm a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, there's a difference between being saved and being perfect. Right? Okay, no, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I'm just washed by the blood of the Lamb. I, that did not, I, I'm still, that process of sanctification, I'm still on the road. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't know your whole story, but I can tell you one thing. I know enough to know if you're human and you're alive, you're on it too. Okay? There aren't any of us that are perfect because if we were, then what did we need Jesus for? Right? But we're not perfect, and we've all made some dumb choices, some bad decisions, and we probably have all said or done some things while we have been under the umbrella of being saved that we'd say, man, if I could have a do-over, 
right? I, I, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have done that. I would have done a few things differently. Fair, okay? Fair. Well, so knowing that, because our lives, right? I mean, we kind of, even though we know better, we still kind of want to live with this justice, the scales of justice thing, you know, this thing sort of like, well, I wasn't as bad as old, you know, you know, guy over here, you know, and all this. I mean, we kind of we want to balance it out. But we all know that I'm glad I'm not going to appear before Jesus to get judged. But if Scripture was different and it said, but you might get spanked a little, you know, you might, you might get a little bit of, you know, at, you know, well, you could have done a little better, but come on in. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who kind of think that's what's going to happen. There's sort of this, you know, well, you know, you, you became a believer, and so come on in, but, you know, just, you know, let me, but have, take a time out for a minute, you know, for 10 minutes and then come on in, okay? But that's not what it says. It says that we're going to appear before the throne of Jesus for this judgment seat, not to be judged or condemned or criticized for anything, but to actually to receive rewards and receive crowns for what we did for him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when you know yourself and you know kind of what you think you probably deserve, does that make sense to you? To know, and, and to know you're going to appear before Jesus, the one, the sinless lamb of God, and that you know that even so, he still probably ought to, you know, scold you a little bit at least before he lets you in. That he's not going to do that. That what he's just going to do is just going to say, come here. You, I, want to, I want to give you some rewards, some crowns for the things you did for me. The things you did. I mean, isn't that incredible? That, I, I find this amazing. I find it amazing. There's at least five crowns. Maybe there's other. I, there's at least five crowns Scripture very clearly speaks about. There's a crown for rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. A crown for rejoicing. It's, it's for faithfulness and service. There's a crown for righteousness. A crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 talks about it. It's for faithfulness and testimony. Here's one. There's a crown of glory. There's a crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4. That's for faithfulness, for caring for those entrusted to you. Just think about that one for a minute. Faithfulness for caring for those entrusted to you. Mom and dad, that's your kids. That's your kids. Uh, employer, that's your employees. Uh, employee, remember, God doesn't put us places by mistake. Acts talks about it. we have set times and places. Wherever you're working right now, that's because God put you there. As crazy as that might sound, because some of us have had some crazy jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. No, do you understand? Some of us have crazy jobs. We've had some crazy bosses. We've had some things where we go, are you crazy? Are you nuts that this is? No, I'm telling you, you are there because God placed you there at this time. That, and, and there is a crown, there is a crown for faithfully caring for those entrusted to you. That means whoever God puts within my sphere of influence, that I treat them in a way that might help them come closer to Jesus, right? Not all of us, not all of us, you know, look, occasionally 
you get to pray with somebody, somebody who's ready to receive Jesus, and you get to ask them, and they say, yeah, I'm ready to sort things out in my life, and they want to pray with you. There's, there's a whole lot more people. You probably get to do that a few times. You know, there's a number of times in life. You get a whole lot more opportunities than that to help somebody move from total lack of faith to one step closer to faith. Do you understand? You may never get to be the one where they say, yeah, I want to get down on my knees and pray with you right now. And, you know, in fact, will you take me over to the creek and baptize me? No, that's a rare deal. But, but you know what? Helping that one person come from an absolute rejection of what God has for them to one step closer of thinking, well, I'm not ready yet, but maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Listen, there's a crown for that. There's a crown for that. There's a crown of life. James 1.12 talks about it's for faithfulness and temptation. And we all get tempted. There's temptation everywhere. All different kinds of temptation. Because the enemy knows exactly where your weakness is. And he doesn't come at you against your strengths. He come at you at your point of weakness. When you overcome it, there's a crown for that. And then there's an incorruptible crown that's for faithfulness and self-control. Look, this is going to be an awesome, joyful time, and yet this appearing before the the throne of Jesus I think is going to be incredibly humbling, isn't it? It's going to be very humbling. That's one one judgment, and that's for the saved. The lost, the condemned, have a different judgment. And that's called the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. It's the judgment for the lost, and those are all those who've rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to read a passage to you. Let's look at Revelation 20. uh, Start with verse uh, 11. Revelation 20, starting verse 11 through verse 15. And it says, "Then, uh, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. God. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in each of them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Like I said a minute ago, which judgment you attend is determined on this side of the grave or prior to Jesus' return. After those events, it's too late. Okay. This is of eternal significance because the judgment you attend then will determine where you spend eternity. And in the same way that there's only two groups and two judgments, there's only two homes. There's only two places that you can go to spend eternity. There's heaven and there's hell. There's no other place. There's nothing in between. There's no, there's no suburb that's a little less or a little more. It's like center city of either one. It's the full deal of either one. Let's talk about those. Let's talk about heaven first. 
Heaven's a place that's been prepared specifically for followers of Jesus. It's been, did you hear that? It's been prepared not just any old way, but specifically for followers of Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 34, says, The king will say to those on his right, that's the, that's, is the sheep, and on the left are the goats, believers and unbelievers, the saved and the lost. He'll say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by, by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It's been prepared specifically for you. You know, we were talking, and, and some of you made the comment, there's, we can have discussion about, well, how good will heaven really be? How, how bad might hell really be, right? You know, there's all these kind of opinions. However good you think heaven might be, it's better. You might say, yeah, but I think it's going to be really good. Good. It's better. Do you understand? I, I don't care how big, how, how, how grand, I don't care how cool, I don't care. Whatever you think it is, it's better. It's better. And you know why I know it's better? Because Scripture says that. Okay? Because 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and all of us fall into this category, says, no eye has seen. No eye has seen. Not just some smart people. Okay? No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen, folks. Heaven's going to be good. And, and it's going to be better than you think it is. So it's going to be a really good place to go. Okay? I mean, I want to encourage you that if you ever thought, well, you know, maybe it all just kind of works out okay in the end, and, you know, there'll be sort of heaven over here, which is sort of like, you know, a, a Disney theme park, but I don't really like all those rides, so maybe I can just, I'll kind of be in the parking lot, you know, and there'll be sort of something over here and something over here, and I'll kind of, it doesn't work that way, okay? And, and the reason why this is important, and, and we're going to come back to it in the end, is because of this. This really gets down to, you know, there's a decision you make about your own life, Right? You know, which are you saved? Are you lost? Which judgment will you attend? Which will direct and determine which, which place you spend eternity in? But, you know, this really ought to direct and affect how you treat others. This really ought to direct and affect how you share your faith, right? This, because because when, you, when you really do believe and we get beyond this thing about, well, heaven and hell are kind of hard to talk about. Yeah, I get that. Okay, and again, we don't want to walk into work on Monday morning and, you know, walk up to somebody cold and go, are you lost? You know, because, I mean, we know that's, that, that, we know that that's not going to generally bear much fruit, okay? But, but, you know, that same guy that got approached by, are you lost, you know, came to work pretty often on Monday mornings hungover. You know, if somebody had been thoughtful, they might have just offered to pray for him that he felt better. Do you understand? That, that might have been a good way to start. Okay, big difference between that and, you know, reading them scripture, but it might have just shown him, you know what, this person cares. Do, do, do you follow me? So we, we, we get that crown, one of those crowns is for caring for people that have been entrusted to us. And you know what, that, that person who comes to work a mess on Monday morning is one of the people that's been entrusted to you. Okay, so this is how we do it. So no matter what we've seen, no matter what we've heard, no, no mind is conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. Look, a lot of us have had all kinds of stories 
Okay, you might say, yeah, but you don't know what I've seen. You don't know what I've experienced. I've, ex I've seen some really cool things. Yeah, it's even better, right? I mean, some of us, you know, there's been books about, what, five minutes in heaven or, you know, these different things. I mean, I, 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 are they true? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Okay, I mean, because I wasn't there. What, you know, it's not, it's not my story, right? But I can tell you my grandfather, uh, who was born in 1898 and only had surgery once in his life, and that's when he was about 80-something years old, uh, told us after he came out of the operating room, his carotid artery was all blocked up when he came out, that while he was, that, that he woke up. And he said, while I was, I woke up, he said, I was up in the ceiling of the operating room looking down on my body and the doctors, and he told a bunch of people about things that were said in the operating room, and they were all said in the operating room. And, you know, and he said he saw, he saw the bright light thing and wanted to go, but he felt himself coming back down into his body. But he didn't want to come back, but he did. Okay, so, you know, you see, you know, people that have had this, like, they didn't go to heaven. He, he didn't have a report of heaven. He just, but he knew, but he knew whatever happened was he wanted to go to it. Okay, you know, I, I, I can tell you that when, when my mom passed away a number of years ago, and Pastor Cindy was there, we were there together. Uh, the morning that she passed away, I was there by myself for a little bit in the, in the, uh, uh, the, the, the room with her, and, and I've never seen an angel before in my life, never seen one since. But I am telling you, as with all the confidence in the world, that that morning I glanced over and I saw an angel, a nine-foot-tall angel, standing over my mom's bed, waving his wings like this. Okay? And, and later that day, she passed away. I mean, heaven? No. But, but something beyond anything I'd ever seen, something beyond anything I'd ever known, better than I would have ever guessed... Do, do, you, do you see where I'm going with that? I mean, and, and so this is like the little dull, dingy stuff compared to heaven, okay? I, I'm just telling you, whatever experiences you've had with, with what's next, whether it was that, you, you, it's, it will, you will one day compare it to, you'll say it was nothing compared to what you, you have to look forward to. So scripture does tell us a few things about heaven that are pretty cool, Okay. Uh, it, and, and all of these have scripture references. I, I won't read all of the references to you for time, but I, I guarantee you there's a verse for every one of these, okay? One, uh, it's a city surrounded by a great high wall. It has 12 massive gates, and each gate in this city is a single massive pearl. Pretty cool. That's some pretty big pearls, <laughs> you know? Okay, that it's a city gate, except that since God is there, the gates never need to be closed because who's not safe, right? There's no evil. <laughs> so the gates don't need to close down at, sun, at sundown. The gates are never open. So that's pretty, that tells you how lavish heaven is when there's 12 gates made of single pearls, but the gates serve no real purpose because they just stay open all the time. They're just there because God decided they would be really cool there. No, I mean, do you, do you see? I mean, look at that. That is, that is really pretty cool, okay? The city is adorned with precious stones. The streets are paved with gold, okay? No temple. What do you need it for? The presence of God is there. God is there. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, okay? There's no sun or moon. It says back here that, the th that, they, that they roll up and go away because there's no need for them. Why? Because the glory of God. The glory of God. It would appear that we're still going to eat, which personally I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually, that's, that's, 
That is one of the many selling points of heaven. We're going to eat. We're going to eat because we're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I mean, why would they call it that if we're not going to eat? I mean, let's just be practical, right? Okay? Uh, We're never going to be sick again. For those of you who have been sick, some of you know I had cancer a few years ago. That's not fun. That's scary. You know? I'm really glad to know there's a day coming when I don't need to go take a physical anymore. I don't have to go give blood every three months. Do, do you follow me? I'm kind of I'm looking forward to a day when, you know what, there's no more. None of you guys that have to take heart medicine or, you know, cholesterol or diabetes or just think about it. There's a day coming when there's no more dialysis. There's no more, there's none of that stuff. You know, that makes me kind of look forward to heaven. Right? Because, you know what, not only do I not want to experience it, but I don't want you to experience it. I don't, want, I don't want to hear anybody else dying from this stuff. I don't want to hear anybody else suffering with this stuff. I mean, it is going to be a marvelous place. Because there is no more sickness. There's no more death. There's no more crying. There's no more divorce. There's no more breakups. There's no more, there's no more abuse. There's all the stuff that we hear about and we live through and we see and and it makes us cry and it breaks our hearts when either we go through it or other people that we care about are going through it. There won't be any more reports like that. Amen. Amen. I mean, really. That's good. The newspaper, there will be... What would they... They only like bad news. So, I mean, there will be... Boy, that's the best. You know, I'm going to add that to my notes. If I ever, if I ever preach this again, I'm adding that. The, the newspaper will have no place in the world. There'll be nothing to talk about. I mean, just think about this stuff. It says that. It says, it says it's going to be a place of rest in Revelation 14, 13. It's going to be a joyful place in John 15, 11. You know what? Now, there's one that will give you. It would appear. Now, some people say, well, my dogs be there. Well, I don't know about your dogs, but there will be animals there, which, means, which would make room for your dogs. Okay? Okay. No, I mean, and I kind of hope they are. We've had a few good ones along the way. It'd be kind of fun to rub their heads again. You know, one of them might like me better the second time than it did the first time. So I'd be really cool with that, you know. But, but, but there's going to be animals there because Isaiah 11, 6, and 7, and Revelation 19 and 11, you can go read it. There's animals there, okay? Here's probably the best one. God will never seem far away. Have you ever felt like God seemed far away from you? Have you ever felt like you were at a spot? And, and, and like, you know it's not true, you know? I mean, you know God's word says it's not true, but still just you go through seasons and patches where it just, just feels like, you know, you're, God's far away. Man, God will never be far away again because, you know, here's the problem with us. The reason God can feel far away from us right now is because we do still live in a world where our relationship with God is distorted by sin. Right? First Corinthians talks about we, now we see through a dim, a dim glass. Then we'll see him full face to face. Listen, when you remove the distortion of sin, and remember, we're talking about a place where there is no sin. Because that, because the devil and non-believers and evil all got called off back. Do you see what I mean? At, at the judgments. Once we're here, that's gone. That's gone. Those, those issues no longer exist. Okay? So we're going to know him like we have never known him before, no matter how much, no matter how long you followed him, no matter how many verses you got memorized, 
No matter, no, I mean, and I'm not demeaning any of that, okay? No matter what you think you know about God, that's great. That's great, but you're going to know him even more. Heaven's going to be even better, and you're going to know him even more because you're going to see him without the distortion of sin. You're going to see him in his fullness. We're going to experience God as never before, and that's going to be great. Now, let's read Revelation. Let's go back. Elizabeth, if you'll go back, Revelation 21, 1 to 7. Let's read that, okay? Revelation 21, 1 to 7 says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, and dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. It's living with God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost for the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's what God has waiting. So no matter what's happened to you on earth, no matter what you've been through, there is a heaven waiting for those who are saved, for those who have attended the, the, the judgment of the, the seed of Christ that is going to be far beyond anything you've ever experienced. It's going to be better than you can imagine. And everything you ever lost, everything you've ever think you've been suffered or denied from, will just wash away and pale at what you now have. So now, let's talk about hell. Because that's the only other place for people to end up. I want to start off with one really key statement. Hell was never designed or created for people. Hell was not created for people. God does not want anyone to go to hell. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. There is nobody, no matter how bad they were, no matter what they've done, no matter what their past is all about, there is nobody that God wants to see go to hell. But for those who refuse, Matthew 25, 41 is very clear because it goes back and he says, and we talked about what he will say to those on his right, Matthew 25, 41 says, And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It does not say 
off to the eternal fire that was prepared for you. Big difference. Okay? Big difference. It was hell is not designed, not created for people. God does not want anyone to be there. It is designed and created for the devil and his angels. The fact that humans will go there is due to their own choice, due to their own rejection of Jesus. Scripture does tell us a few things very clearly about hell. Matthew 25, 41 tells us it's the ultimate destiny for every unbeliever. No other place. There's nothing. There's, there's none of this, you know, party room just outside or, you know, it, it's, it's hell. You're either in heaven or you're in hell. There is no middle ground. It's a place of eternal agony, Revelation 14, 10, and 11. And Matthew 25, 46 makes it very clear it will last forever. It's not like after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, God's you know, going to say, hey, come on over. It, it's, it's, maybe you or I would have done it differently. That's not the way it's been designed. Let's, let's take a story that maybe you've read it and thought about it in different ways, and let's bring it into this context because it actually is where it belongs. Uh, Luke 16 19 through 31. Um, it's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. Okay, and a lot of times it was about just rich and poor and taking care of the poor and, you know, all these kind of things. But, but for the topic today, this just squares right up with it. Listen to this. Matthew 16, starting with verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day and At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Time came, the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Okay, right there. I want you to notice that. The the beggar is with Abraham, the rich man, is in Hades. Okay? But he looks up, and he sees him by his side. He called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in this fire. Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who would want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Then he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they will not be convinced, even if someone comes back from the dead. Just a few little observations from that account. First thing, the rich man would appear to have been fully conscious in his torment. This is not just like 
hell, you know, and I'm not trying to scare you, okay? But here's what I am trying to do. And I'm telling you before I tell you, right? Here's, what I, here's why I'm telling you this, is we all know people that right now, we know they will not fall into the camp of the saved. Okay? If we do nothing, this is their this is their future. So then the question becomes, do we care? What will we do? That's that's really what it's all about, right? It says he was fully conscious in his torment. It also tells us that he knew that his destiny was fixed forever. He he realized he couldn't get out. He knew his punishment was just. But get this, what did he do? I mean, we've all heard people in our lives make jokes about hell. Haven't we? We've heard people make jokes and say about the big party that's going to be going on and they'll be there with all their drinking buddies. And I mean, come on, if you've been working with humans, I have, you've heard, story, you've heard people talk like that, that, you know, it'll just be a big party and it'll just all be us and we'll be having a good time. That doesn't line up with what Scripture says. Now, maybe those folks know better and they're just trying to pretend, but maybe they don't. Maybe no one has actually ever told them before. Maybe no one has ever shown them the love of Jesus to cause them to want to feel differently. But this guy who's there isn't saying, hey, come on down, it's awesome here. He's saying, go tell my brothers. The last thing I want is my family to come here. Okay? He didn't want anybody to follow him. So what do we do? What do we do in all this? Well, you know, for sure, last week, Cindy, Pastor Cindy told us that we need to live wisely, right? We need to, we need to be ready and, and, and live wisely. And, and so obviously we want to do that. But this week what I want to call us to do is I want us to say we need to be telling others. We need to be sharing the love of Jesus with, with, with the people around us so that they don't go. They, they go to the right judgment. They're in the right camp. They end up at the judgment of at the judgment seat of Jesus, and they end up in heaven. And they don't end up like the rich man in hell wishing that somebody would go tell his brothers so that they won't come and be with him. And the final thing as believers we want to do is we want to look forward to the eternity that we have with Jesus. I mean, we, we talked about what an incredible place heaven is. And so, look, we have this joy that's set before us, right? We have this thing, this place that we're looking forward to, this life that we're looking forward to. And it's going to be better than we ever thought it was. But right now, we can't be satisfied just sitting on the hill thinking about the great future that we have in front of us. Because without us, there are people who will end up in hell. And it is going to be a place of suffering. And it is going to be a place that is eternity, eternal. And there won't be any escape from it. And the question is, could we have done anything about it? Could we have done anything? So, today, as we, as we close, I just want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray. We want to close. You know, it, this is, look, there's a way... There's a way you can leave here going, man, this is like ending on a downer. I'm feeling, you know, like this is, you know, talking about hell. And it's not good. No, let me, let me, let me, re, let me recast your, your opinion for a second here, okay? What I want to leave, what I'm hoping you'll leave here with is understanding the seriousness of the topic, but understanding the incredible opportunity 
that because we have an opportunity to go out and share the love of Jesus every day. We have an opportunity to impact and affect where those people that right now that do not know Jesus will spend eternity. We don't have to go beat them over the head with the Bible, do we? What we need to do is show them the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will do a great job of convicting of sin. What they need to know is that there is a God of love, that there is, there is hope, that some of us have been in a mess in our lives when there was, if not for Jesus, we wouldn't be here. Okay? There are people today that you know that would say, I don't see any reason to have hope. I don't see how my life could get better. It is so messed up. Every one of us knows some people like that. What we can do is just tell them there's hope. We can share with them that there is another choice. There is another way. And we can pray for them. So today, the opportunity we have is to be encouraged, to be full of joy because we know heaven is going to be better than you ever thought. But while we're looking forward to it, to take seriously that crown that we could earn by caring fully for those that have been entrusted to us. I'd like for all of us to earn that crown. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your Father's reward. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. And Lord, today, Father, is, is Lord, today, we want to stand before you and we want to take this seriously, Lord. We want to take it seriously. It's just a chance for decision, okay? If, if you would say, all, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. This is personal. This is between you and God, okay? But if you would say, you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. There are people that are entrusted into my sphere of influence. I'm going to start by praying for them. I'm going to look for opportunities to share with them. I'm not going to go be an ugly believer and hit them over the head. But, but, Lord, if you will put them in my path, if you will create the opportunity, oh, God, I'll be brave enough and bold enough to share them, share with them the love of Jesus. I will be brave enough and bold enough to share with them that there is hope, that there is another path, that there is another answer. If you would just commit to that, raise your hand. Just today, if you say, man, if God will put that in front of me, I'm willing to be that person. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, lots of hands. So, Lord, today, we just, God, first of all, Lord, we, we say, Lord, forgive us for the opportunities that you've already put in our path that we've blown past. But, Father, today, we, we commit ourselves to be willing to share your love, your hope, and your joy with a hurting, fragmented, disjointed, broken, sick world, Lord, that has one hope, has one hope, and that's you. Lord, help us to share our hope, to share our joy, to share your love with kindness, with sincerity, with thanksgiving, recognizing how gentle and kind you've been with us. Lord, I pray that you would use us, Father, in ways that would bring honor and glory to you. Lord, that would expand the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, that we would live our lives in agreement, Father, with your verse 
that said that you are not slow in keeping your promises because you do not want anyone to perish, but you want everyone to come to repentance. Lord, help us to make that our verse and to guide our behaviors, our steps, our words, and our priorities. And now, Lord, I pray your blessing on each of us. I pray, Father, that you would fill us today with your hope, your love, and your joy. God, I thank you that we have heaven to look forward to. I thank you, God, that it's better than we ever imagined. And, Lord, we thank, for, we thank you for that, and we look forward to those for, the, for eternity with you. Lord, help us to leave here today and to live our lives, Father, as people of boldness, courage, and joy, ready to go out and serve you faithfully in all that we do and say. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.